All right, I'm here today with uh, Jamie Jacobs. Jamie, welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> so um, how'd you get in the AV industry? Uh, probably like a lot of people. Uh, started out as a musician in my life, and I was classically trained on the flute my whole life. Started playing guitar later on, writing songs, and I actually wanted to work in a studio. Uh, I went to Full Sail. Okay. I met some teachers, though. Uh, we were talking about mentorship. A bunch of teachers that took me under their wing and showed me a whole different side of this industry, and I just caught a bug for live events and kept going. Isn't it kind of strange how that works out, too? It's like everybody that I've ever talked to, whether it's in here or outside the industry or even for myself, it always happens by accident. Mm -hmm. Like the easy, the easy path if you want to get into this type of industry is like, okay, I'm going to learn film and I'm going to learn television or I'm going to learn recording. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of competition in that. There's not a lot of paying gigs. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get into. Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to work consistently. So then sometimes people just fall into it or somebody taps them on the shoulder and says, hey, can you run camera on this corporate gig? And then boom, there's a whole other right. career path. Yeah, exactly. So I'm assuming that's kind of what happened with you. Uh, well, I, since I was already learning about audio engineering, uh, it was mostly natural for me to move into doing live sound. So the whole basis of my career started with live sound. Um, it wasn't until I went back to teach at Full Sail in 2013 that I started really getting into video, uh, which is pretty much all I do now. Every so often I'll take, you know, a smaller audio gig because it fills in time. It, you know, makes me money, obviously, and it's still something I know and it's still something I love. But um, I was kind of put into a position to teach video when I didn't really know much more than like, okay, if I need to run a VGA more than 100 feet, I need to put a DA. But really why? I didn't know. You know, what was traveling down a cable, you know, the difference between a VGA cable and five wire or the similarities or whatever. I had no idea. So, so obviously video is very, there's a lot of discipline. So, you know, when you yeah. say video, do you, do you specialize in like projection or switching? Like what, what facet of the, the video? I have been trying to move uh, more and more into engineering. Um, again, speaking toward mentorship and other people helping us learn things. I was just over at uh, Ian Kaminsky's house yesterday learning the Spider X-20. You know, okay. luckily he he you know owns one so it's easy to just kind of walk into his house when he has it available and click 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 you know um i had great friends at ver who let me come in and take the time to set up e2 gear and uh you know multiple sources and monitors and just kind of figure it out with the different control <clears throat> excuse me with the different controllers um you know so i am trying to move more into that i do a lot of camera work i also uh do a lot of graphics and like media playback and tape Okay, that's interesting. So, um, what people would you consider mentors? Have you had a lot of mentors in your career? I have. Uh, I'd say the very first one is uh, one of my former teachers. His name was Greg Mandigo, and I mentioned him. I believe in that uh, in that article, and if not, uh, I mentioned him somewhere along the way with regard to that. Just people, you know, supporting me and always having my back, even through all the pitfalls that I've had in my career. Um, so, definitely started with him bunch of my teachers in that respect there's just too many to name right um and as i've moved into this video realm and really started specializing in things very familiar common names like tim durr and ian kaminsky yeah, of course, and of course yeah those guys have really taken me under their wings to just teach me anything i ask whether it's business related or it's video related um you know I've got a great accountant now, even thanks to Ian, you know, so. Um. But isn't it interesting though, like you, it's really hard to just go to college or go to a school and learn this industry and sit down and learn an E2 or a spider or sit down and learn a media server. Like those things don't really exist anymore or mm -hmm. they, they never really existed. So what happens is you get in this industry by accident 
And then it's really your success is based on your work ethic and, you know, um, you talking to mentors and say, hey, I want to learn this product. Can you teach it to me? Or I want to take this class. I want to learn this product. You kind of have to go at it, at it on your own. So mm -hmm. you start your journey in live events. But then from there, you have to figure out your own path. There's ways to do it. But in a lot of different careers, it's kind of like, okay, you go to college, you learn how to be an accountant or you learn how to be a doctor. Right. You don't learn how to be a tech. You have to just kind of figure it out as you go along. <laughs> yeah. And depending on where you go, like you could end up in a million different areas. It's just, I never it takes... expected to be where I am right now, you know, and I started with audio. I wanted to be a front of house engineer and quickly realized that I had a whole different passion once I started having to do something outside of my comfort zone. And since I had to teach myself so many things as I went along, you know, and even just to begin with teaching about gear specifically out of the manuals of the gear while I'm researching like, you know, what's the knee on a camera for kind of stuff. And uh, being able to explain it and then once I started being able to come up with real-world analogies for things I was like, okay I think I pretty much got this and a few, year la few years later I ended up going out freelancing and I've been Very happy. So so as a freelancer now and someone that's amassed knowledge Do you have opportunities to pass some of that knowledge down to people that you see kind of up-and-comers in the industry? I do fortunately and I still am in touch with a lot of my students that I had and I'm still uh, I'm still lucky to run into them on show site, which makes me really happy because then I get to see that they're being successful. But they'll hit me up for with emails even just, you know, hey, I've got this gig coming up and I have this, 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 and this. And, you know, it's been a really long time since I've touched it. You know, can you just give me a refresh? Yeah. Or, you know, on show site, they're like, can you just show me what it is you're doing and explain it? Um, anybody, whether it's my, my former students or not, you know. And I actually, now that I've been learning a lot more on the business side of things, um, been trying to pass some of that knowledge down to some of my friends who seem to you know be struggling a little bit and feel like it's not going to be a lucrative career for them and I'm like no it will be if you just stick with it and learn these steps and get yourself set up the right way I wish I had done that a long time ago now that I have it, everything else has fallen into place and it's so much easier what are the steps that, that you think people should take to be a successful freelancer because I've I've talked to and given some mentorship to people that had no technical knowledge but they had a really good work ethic. And I'm like, look, you just need to learn camera. And mm -hmm. camera will get, it can be a career on its own. Or, you know, the camera person normally is helping set up projectors or they might be helping to set up the LED while you're kind of like a video stagehand in mm -hmm. a way on, on some of these corporate gigs. In broadcast, camera is camera and that's all you do. But in mm -hmm. corporate, camera ends up doing a lot of different disciplines. Exactly. And then from there, you can kind of learn, okay, I like I like image processing, or I like LED, or I really have a, a, a knack for projection, and then from there you can kind of hone in on a little mm -hmm. bit. But you start with camera a lot of times, and then you kind of work, uh, you know, work from there. Yeah, it, there's definitely uh, small steps that you can take. I don't recommend anybody just jumping right into, you know, starting their own LLC and S-Corp and all that stuff. I mean, that's the goal, I think, because it brings a lot more financial freedom on you. Right. But uh, as far as technically, I mean, pretty much what you just said, get in starting as a stagehand, you know, find, find labor companies. You know, it's going to be harder to get into production companies directly because they don't really hire stagehands. But, um, you know, find the local labor companies and just ask questions. Honestly, when I came back into the freelance realm, I went right back into PSAV because I was able to make my own schedule, cut my teeth on gear I hadn't used on site yet, but that I had prepped in the shop you know, get my tech chops back because I went to the educational and logistics side of stuff okay. for a while. And then 
uh, kind of just branched out from there. But the way that I branched out was by asking other freelancers. So who else do you work for, you know, and do they pay decent? And I don't ask for numbers, but, you know, are you happy with them? What, what kind of pros and cons have you seen with them? And then if there's somebody that I've built a rapport with over some time, you know, whether that's just on this show or multiple shows, um, you know, I have no shame in asking for a labor coordinator's information. So, well, ultimately what you're doing is you're building a brand, mm -hmm. right? So you do that by working hard, having a good attitude, p doing posts on LinkedIn, being social, right? You know, you, you wrote a great article for us, which I'll, I'll talk about here in a little bit, but it's like you're, 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 you're a brand mm -hmm. and you're running a business. Um, and your brand is, you know, I'm Jamie Jacobs. When I show up, I do a great job. I'm an expert in this. And that's ultimately what you're selling. And you have to be a little bit of a self-promoter to really make it. And I think that's why sometimes people's their perspective sometimes is that they have to be technical. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, if you want to be a code writer and you don't know anything about writing code, okay, you probably need to learn how to write code. Right, yeah. But if you want to get into the live events industry, A, you know, you have to have a really great attitude, a great work ethic, you know, you throw the nine to five thing out the window, but a lot of people really thrive on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, chefs really thrive on that. There's a lot of industries that thrive on weird, crazy hours, and mm -hmm. that's the kind of people that are attracted to that. So if that's what you, if you're kind of that person, you don't have to like not get in this industry because you're not technical, like that can come later, mm -hmm. right? You just have to be personable. Yeah, you know, uh, also something that I talked about in there, you can't teach the people skills necessarily. I mean, some people learn as they go along. I know I've learned a lot, uh, you know, especially in the last couple of years, like we were just chatting about before with with learning more about who I am and what I need to, you know, uh, rise to the challenge of. Um, you know, people skills can definitely be learned. It's not necessarily something you can teach, like you can teach technical skill. And so that's why, like I'm saying, building rapport with people, networking, asking questions, and then, you know, learning how to be able to cold call. And, um, you know, like you said, just promote yourself, put yourself out there. But you have to also remember that there's other people still out there that have supported you. It's not all about you. And it's not easy. It's mm -hmm. not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be freelance. You could also go full time, right? Some people go full-time mm -hmm. first and that gives you a little bit more um, you've got your sick days you got your vacation days you're kind of it's more of a nine-to-five job like it to get into this industry it doesn't necessarily have to be freelance but I think most people that are technicians would get into it on a freelance on the freelance side of things but there's plenty of others that do this full-time as well mm -hmm. for companies mm -hmm. and, and of course that was me to begin with too um, I am not of the personality that does well in that nine to five and the same thing every day. I just, within a few hours, I start to just feel trapped and contained and it doesn't bode well for me to be a, as friendly of a person as I know that I can be. And I really do thrive on the crazy hours too. Um, it just keeps it really interesting. It's funny that you mentioned being a chef because prior to going into AV, I actually went to culinary school and I was working as a garmage chef at a hotel in South Florida. And then I worked on just regular lines like, you know, Outback, Ale House, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I compared, you know, similarly to like working in the studio versus working in live and how it feels to um, working in a hotel versus working in a restaurant and the fast paced environment of it. That's what I really like. Well, have you ever gone from like the ballroom in a hotel to like back a house and seen like, um, you know, everybody, you know, making the food and everything mm -hmm. and like that whole that whole environment? It feels very similar. I mean, there's mm -hmm. two different things being accomplished. 
but it takes a certain type of person to do that day in and day out. And a lot of people thrive on that craziness. And those people would be miserable in a job that was very, you know, repetitive every mm-hmm. single day. And there's a lot of people that are, would be miserable in their jobs that like some people thrive on craziness and, and, and unpredictability, but then some people don't. I have a lot of respect for the people that can manage the, the nine to five kind of thing. I mean, without people like you, we don't have the support to do what we need to do, you know, and yeah. you're obviously great at what you do, you know, and the people who work here at this, you know, at this great company, they're great at what they do. And so, you know, we're able to feel a little bit more comfortable in that craziness, I guess, because of that. <laughs> it's, it's strange for me having done both because I spent 10 years uh, kind of as a freelance tech- technician and then 10 years as the CEO of this company. Mm-hmm. And they are different, but there's a lot of things. The industry is the industry. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I, brought a, I brought a little bit of baggage from the freelance world into you know, my present life that I've had to, like, in a way, it was something that I thrive off of. And until recently, when I started really looking at it, I was like, wow, that, that came from my freelance days. Yeah. Like, you know, I love being in airports. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love being in airports. And I love being on hotels, in mm-hmm. hotels, and I love being on the road. But I've been working to kind of go the opposite because mm-hmm. when you're on the road and you're in hotels and you're in airports all the time, it's almost like an endorphin kind of hit. Like being on show site and executing a flawless show or, or getting a show that was really not going well and mm-hmm. it ends up going well gives you this endorphin hit that, that gets you to the next show. It's like and always tra- a natural high that you're yeah, always running and, on. And traveling's kind of like that too. Is like you kind of like the chaos of flights being delayed. And yeah, you're you're upset about it, but in a weird way, you're kind of running on that too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like you know, you could con- you could like I have military friends that'll say like they're in civilian life now. Mm-hmm. So like going from freelance <laughs> to like full time is like I'm back to being a civilian. But yeah. you kind of bring some of those habits with you. So this year, I'm like this year, my goal was like I'm working on efficiency. So mm-hmm. if I want to go somewhere, I have to get in and out as quickly as possible and not linger. But man, when I go through an airport, sometimes I'm just like, you know, when I get old and I'm kind of losing my mind, you <laughs> might find me walking around an airport somewhere just because I love it. I just yeah. love the, the, the sights and sounds. Oh, I love the people watching of it too and, and the independence that I get from it, just from, you know, being out there on my own, uh, managing to get around airports I might not have been in before, cities I might not have been in before, hotels I've never worked in. That's a lot of reason why I wanted to go on the road was just for... Uh, uh, the challenge of not working in the same place and never being there, meeting all new people and not knowing who I can and can't trust necessarily, but urging myself to trust everybody until I'm proven I can't, you know, and um, and and just learning an environment on the fly. You know, there's, there is a huge thrill and rush in doing that, but also, you know, much more a feeling of accomplishment, at least for me. And this might be a weird analogy, but does it kind of feel like if you're a surfer, like catching a good wave? Like there's a lot of shows where it's like, man, that was not the great crew. And the, you know, like that was not the best client. Mm-hmm. And then you do the next show and it's just like, oh man, great crew. We had a great time. The show went great. And it's got to, it kind of feels like surfing a wave. Mm-hmm. And you know, like every wave isn't going to be great. I think if every show went flawless and it was planned perfectly, maybe that would be a little bit boring. Maybe yeah. there needs to be a little bit of that, that tension. Mm-hmm. But again, that's what, you know, a lot of us thrive off of. And that's yeah. how this industry will inherently always be. It really is just like any sport. And, you know, uh, you have to lose to be able to win and, and appreciate what a win, you know, feels like. So. Right. And, and when you freelance, sometimes you can't, you don't know who your team is, right? Like mm-hmm. you might be playing for a great team mm-hmm. and then you go to the next city and it's like, okay, I'm the only one on this crew that's going to make this show happen. Like mm-hmm. I literally have to roll up my sleeves and fix this. Right. Yeah. And I have been in that position many times and, you know, been very fortunate to lend new great clients from that because they recognize 
anybody's ability to jump in and help wherever necessary, you know, if you can, and putting yourself aside to make sure that their needs are taken care of, um, you know, so that's probably one of the most important things is I always say, aside from the technical, we're in a customer service-based industry, especially right. in hospitality AV, which is all we're doing working in these hotels and corporate, um, you know, so if you can make your client happy, don't let them see that you're putting out this huge fire to get their what seemed like a simple request done, you know, then that's the goal. So, And that's why in this industry you need a lot of seasoning before you can really, like you don't, you can't just start at the top. Because one thing as I don't know if you think about this, but like if you're trained how to do this in a classroom, that's great. Mm -hmm. But you can't, you can't train someone on stress. Mm -hmm. You can't train someone on things going wrong or someone like literally yelling at them on calm. Like, and that's where, you know, if you're calm in front of a piece of equipment in a controlled environment, that's great. You're learning the equipment. But if I train you on that and I have sirens going off and someone yelling at you on calm and, you know, power goes down, mm -hmm. that's a whole different level. It's like, you know, flying a plane is probably for the most part a pretty stress-free job. But things could go really wrong. And they if they could. do, you have to be able to handle that stress, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's something that can't be taught. That's the only the only way you learn that is by going out there in the field and being in stressful situations. Absolutely. Being able to adapt to it. And even with, you know, being in a controlled environment, like at Full Sail, for example, things still go wrong in that respect. And, um, you know, we would intentionally keep bad cables in the mix so that they'd have to learn to troubleshoot things and make them accountable for other things. And there are some students that would just they couldn't handle it and they might break down. We'd, I'd take them aside, kind of try to discuss it or let them have their moment and, and they come back to it at whatever point and maybe some of them overcome it. I saw some people go away and never come back. They realized it might not be for them. Well, that's a, that's a good segue into mental health because <laughs> obviously, you know, if you're someone that struggles with maybe, you know, depression or anxiety or, you know, because no matter what, people can buckle under, under pressure. Mm -hmm. But if you have... Um, any mental health issues or maybe something's compounded after years of years of being on the road, those stresses that sometimes you can shake off become harder and harder to shake off. So mm -hmm. you wrote a great article Thank for you. our Life of Live campaign, which is kind of highlighting technicians. And, and you wrote this. I reread it this morning. It's fantastic. And um, we'll put a link in our video. So if anybody wants to see it or read it, they can certainly do that. Um, but I wanted to read a paragraph from this because I just thought it was a great way to kind of um, start off the article and it kind of sums things up. So you said it in the article, said, our business is unlike any other. We have hard deadlines to meet, long hours, often working late into the night with early morning return calls that leave us less than eight hours between shifts. The live events industry is not your typical nine to five by any means. It's 10 to 14 plus hour days in nearly complete darkness with no natural light and surrounded by highly technical equipment. We have intercom in one ear for directions from the producer and in the other ear, we hear the person on stage reciting the script. We stare at bright screens while executing our position's responsibility flawlessly. It's dirty hands, throbbing feet, cuts, bruises from case latches left open, it's sore backs and aching muscles from lifting equipment that is equal to our body weight. It's one of the most dangerous environments in which one could work. With the safety of our lives in the hands of people we sometimes don't know, the work we do is both physically and mentally taxing. Now I read that and if I was an outsider, I'd say, I, I never want to be. I'm getting out of like I'm not. What is that? I, I, I want nothing to do with that industry. 
but that's the fuel. Like that's yeah. what like some people would run run into that, right? It's like the firefighter running toward the fire instead of away from it, or the cop running toward the gunfire because that's what that's what they do. It's just what they do, and they're driven to do that kind of thing because they know they have uh, something to do, something to accomplish, and it's maybe a stark difference between somebody trying to save somebody's life and what we do. Although some people think that we're trying to save lives, but right. um, uh, it's still that rush of doing it and, and going toward it. You know, that's just, we're crazy. <laughs> a little bit. But I think what, I think what you're addressing in this piece is that, you know, if you're, if you just have perfect mental health, this industry can be taxing on you and you need mm-hmm. to take time for yourself. You can't always try to book as many dates as you did the year before or try to make a little bit more money. Sometimes it's all about relaxation, taking time off, clearing your mind, mm-hmm. because that long term is what's better for all of our health, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do have any type of mental illness, if you do have anxiety or depression or something to that matter, this industry can compound it if you don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of speak to that a little bit, because I think it's something that it's lurking a lot in the shadows, but it's not something that's really discussed. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I mean, I we were chatting a little bit earlier about it, and you know, uh, and how it's affected my life personally and how it, you know, took kind of one moment of breaking down and, you know, letting things get me to that point of breaking down and just life circumstances taking its toll plus being so stressed out with just starting to freelance again and am I going to be able to stay on my feet and, you know, relationship ending that now it's also I've lost half my income, all these kinds of things. And I had that, that same breakdown because I was working every single day there was a few months that I went probably like 60 to 65 70 days without a day off and it's you know it's just around the clock and, and you're just raw at that point right you're just yeah raw and I was just emotionally not there mentally not there I'm just physically going through it like a robot because I can because I you know it's like some of it was you know not to sound above anything but kind of menial work just so I can make some money yeah. um and, and meet people and do whatever I needed to do. I just needed to do what I needed to do. But yeah, that one moment of that breakdown has changed the, the path and trajectory of my life now. And if I weren't open to talking about it, I mean, I talk about it a lot with people privately, uh, you know, if they have any questions about things. And I've actually been able to kind of open some people's eyes to be like, well, you know, I kind of feel this way too. You know, what did you do to take care of it? And I, and I tell them honestly what I do. Well, people probably don't talk about it because they might be afraid on show site. Well, maybe this will be seen as weakness. So this mm-hmm. is not something that's typically talked about at you know at the bar after hours, mm-hmm. right? But I understand what could feed into it because, you know, when you are a technician and you're learning and you're 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 accelerating your career and people are calling you and you're getting booked, that's a sense of validation. So mm-hmm. I'm calling you and I'm offering you to fly you across the country to operate a piece of equipment. It's hard to say no to that. And sometimes when you're looking at your calendar a few months out yeah. and it's all, but you're like, man, I got eight weeks book solid. It seems really good until you start getting into it. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I have another four weeks of this to go. I can't, like, I can't start canceling gigs. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen, you know, in my life with some of my friends who are mostly in the industry is, you know, there, there comes a point in your life. And I, I, I saw it with, you know, in, in my 20s. And I feel like in your 20s, you can do a lot of things your body and you can get away with a lot of things and just kind of bounce back and you can book, you know, two months on the road and it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. And it's actually in a weird way, it's kind of fun. That's why you see a lot of people going into concert touring and stuff like that in their early 20s if they and, can. You and know, you just 20s. get, a, yeah, because it's fun. Who wouldn't want to be running a media server on a worldwide, you know, U2 tour or something like right. that? That's a lot of fun. And it's great in your 20s. Um, but then, you know, after your 20s are over and you start to get into your 30s, 
you might have a family or you might have a marriage or you have a lot more responsibilities and these are things that take your attention mm -hmm. and I've had friends that like literally you know their wife told them on a Sunday that they she wanted a divorce and they've got to fly the next day and do a gig mm -hmm. and or, or I, I have friends that have gone through marital problems and when you're going through marital problems one of the things you have to do is you have to help build intimacy especially if you're not connecting with your with your loved one mm -hmm. and it's really hard to do that when okay I understand the way you feel and that I want to help out. I want to get us back to where we were, but can we, can we postpone that for six weeks? Yeah. <laughs> because you can't, because if you postpone it for six weeks, like can if you you're put the your feelings on hold until... and it's difficult because yeah. then to the other person, it's like, okay, I keep putting my, my feelings on hold. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've even seen it with, with bands, like bands that like they go crazy. They, they go, 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 they tour, 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 and then they break up and then they get back together a few years later, like mm -hmm. in their late thirties, early forties. And they tour forever, and they're happy. But what they did is they took a they took a stock. They took it. They basically stopped. They they did an internal about like they kind of looked at themselves internally and said, "Look, if we're going to do this again, we're going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. like, we're going to go down this path." And I think like what you said about having you know this kind of this moment where you had to move forward in a different path. It's almost like you're at this fork in the road. For me, it was like I'm going from 29 to 30. Where am I going to be at 40 or 50? Where do I want to be? I need to change my trajectory. Mm -hmm. I want to stay in this industry, but I don't want to go. I can't, I can't break the records that I was breaking in my 20s. There's mm -hmm. only 365 days in a year, <laughs> right? So you kind, of, you kind of have to do that. You, you kind of have to take a little break and say, look, what, you know, where am I going? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm what, sure what, do you, I won't what do you have to add to that? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, um, it's just something that we all have to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure I won't be freelancing forever either, but who knows yeah. what's going to happen. At this point, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, so I don't want to change it. Exactly. But um, I have taken more time off this year um, to to experience some life things I haven't been able to in a while. You know, there's a, a lot going on where I have a new partner, and thankfully, you know, she's very supportive, especially of me being on the road. You know, she's former military, so she understands what it's like to be away from your family for a long period of time. And, you know, as long as communication is open, then, the you know, those kinds of things can work. But that's the thing, too, is that with our hours and being in different time zones, communication can break down. So that's an important thing, I think, to, to think about. But, um you know, I just, I've been, just, like I said, trying to make time for things that I want to do that are fun because I felt like I've lost that fun for a long time. And, um, you know, going kayaking, just doing simple things, even going to the park with, with my, my partner and her son, you know, and that kind of stuff is just, it wakes me back up to when I go back to a show, I feel refreshed and alive and I feel grounded. And, you know, I know exactly where I am and what I'm doing rather than, gosh, where was I like yesterday? I don't even remember. Was I just at the airport yesterday or, you know, <laughs> that kind of feeling is a little, you know, just. I think unwary. at first that feeling is kind of cool and it's yeah. kind of intoxicating and it's something that you chase after a while, mm -hmm. but then it's something that can't go on forever, right? Right. Yeah, it can't. You just, I mean, that feeling of, it's a feeling of confusion to me, you know, and I love being on the road and I love being in this job is sometimes when everything's just blurring together, you know, it's just day in and day out, then it's, again, what am I doing it for? Am I doing it just to, just to work? I'm not taking any advantage of the the success I've had from it to enjoy you know stopping and smelling the roses for a minute because I can you know they're there and, and and I don't have to pay for it you know and I don't have to worry about what time I have to get there to do it you know right. that kind of stuff but um 
I think it's it's also really important while you're on the road to try to find things if you have the time that would make you happy. Since I really haven't been to a lot of places in this country, I tend to want to fly in really um, early on the day that I'm going in because this way I have the day to just go and explore. And that gives me some independent, you know, some freedom in my independence and, and uh, rely on myself to figure things out, find those things, um, and and just go do it. And it makes me feel more alive, even in that respect, while I'm away on the road. Well, and it's like it doesn't take much to hit the reset button. You know, if you just mm-hmm. go in, if you're doing a gig in, you know, let's say San Diego, and you just go there a day before and just say, all right, I'm going to go to the zoo. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'm exactly. just going to go walk around, walk on the beach, and then go load in the show the next day. Mm-hmm. It's that going off the plane and then going to the hotel and then straight to the ballroom. That's the part that can kind of take its toll over oh, time. Oh, yeah. And we've done that. <laughs> I had one where I flew in, had an hour, went to load in, did the show struck flew out <laughs> that was it atlanta not even 24 hours i think so it was it was rough even this one in vegas that i was just on it came back a couple days ago uh it was fly in um you know do the whole load in rehearsal show strike fly out the next day and even those tiny little blips it can be you know i think more taxing than being on something for 10 days or more you know because um, at least then you have a full amount of time to get used to where you are and time zones and you're not just hopping in and out you know but they yeah. both have their advantages and disadvantages well i guess what advice because you know it's easy to mentor and teach people that haven't been in the industry before like hey i'm going to teach you about live events and you know you don't know anything but i think where there isn't a lot of men- mentorship or guidance is from people that have been doing this for a while that could tell younger techs that are already doing it like hey this is what you should you know, your first 10 years, this is really what you should be doing. And then your next, like, this is where you should be in your 30s and 40s. This is how you should establish yourself. This is how you should be investing your money. This is how you should be growing your business. You know, like, what, mm-hmm. like there isn't a book that's written to no, say, all right, over time, you know, what path do I want to go down as a technician? So for, for people that are in this industry already or maybe struggling with some mental health issues, like, what advice would you give to them that, that might have helped you? Um, I mean, as far as the mental health stuff goes, don't be afraid to talk to somebody you trust, you know, open up. Um, I, again, I have very many good friends that know everything that I've been through from the bottom up and back down again. And, um, and they've, they've been there for me every step of the way. So, you know, thank God I have them. Um, so don't be afraid to talk about it and don't be afraid to get help and, and don't be you know, afraid of a label being put on you because that's, I was afraid of that too. We all are. Yeah. Uh, you know, but those people who know, know, and they, they don't judge. They don't have that label and it's made it much easier for me to be able to open up and talk about it a little bit more with other people when I see they might be struggling and I've gotten to know them a little bit. So um, as far as the business goes, I'm still learning a lot of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, I've never been very good at answering that, you know, where do you see yourself in five years kind of question. So uh, if I were interviewing somebody for a job, those are not questions I would ask. Um, But to guide them just, you know, uh, there's so many more things at their disposal now to get training, you know, manufacturer certification, coming to a place like this and getting, you know, uh, education on things. And those things weren't available to a lot of people before, and they really did have to go to the school of hard knocks. So now it's like, you know, figure out, just go jump in, be a stagehand, do a bunch of general stuff, figure out what it is that makes you tick, and then go specialize in that and find every avenue that you can to, to learn and grow within that on your own from other people, 
you know, one of the biggest things that I've uh, said to my students and to others is you have to learn how to learn and you have to learn how to teach yourself. You, know, you can't always rely on other people to give you anything. It's not like when you're in school and here's your books and here's the gear and push this button, do that, do this. Oh, and look at flashes. You know, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so read manuals, <laughs> you know, do that kind of stuff. If you're in it for the tech, then you're in it for the tech and you need to be in it for the tech. You know, it's about the gear, not the gig, in my opinion. So that's like probably the biggest piece of advice I could give. Well, great. I think that's a great place to end. That was a, was a quick 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, Jamie, uh, thanks for coming in. And I uh, wish you the me. best in, the, in your career endeavors. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you.